Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or tea, sit back, and let's chat. Oh, no, it is working. <laughs> Good morning, Pia and Colin. We're experiencing Mercury retrograde issues this morning. So here's the thing. I got notified this morning that I could start broadcasting live to Instagram. And I'm like, yes, shebang, because I've never been able to do that or at least not this broadcast going there. And so I set it all up and presumably all I had to do was go live here and then I'd have to go to Instagram real quick and hit go live, but it appeared like it wasn't working, but apparently it was. <laughs> and anyway, I just shut it off. I'll try to get another day, but welcome to the both of you. How are you all doing this morning? About the same number of weird occurrences as you're having. Considering, considering the absolute chaos that we're noticing worldwide, I think we're doing okay. Absolute chaos is one of those words, one of those phrases that works really well for everything right now. And uh, yet it has a sort of funny edge to it, right? Like some of these things, you just can't help but laugh at what's happening. Uh, other parts of the chaos are, you know, like tear jerking. It's just a weird time that we are living in. It is. And I, I think you're right. I think a sense of humor is absolutely important right now because I'd rather I'd rather be laughing than crying. That's true. <laughs> laughing is uh, the best medicine. They say that all the time. And I agree. Um, so. Let's say good morning to people who are checking in, and then we already have a question for you. So good morning to Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel, who's feeling a little under the weather. So everybody out there listening, please send some healing vibes Debbie's way so she can get over the bug that's got her down. And good morning to Terry, my husband, and Nancy Ross. Hello to you. Pam Zaruba says, happy Friday, everyone, and get well, Debbie. I love it. And Teddy Hickox, my husband's twin brother, also here this morning with us. He says, good morning, Pia and Cullen. And uh, there was a major solar flare yesterday. Indeed, there was. I think that crackled through everybody's brains <laughs> yesterday and probably continuing to. Uh, Tom, here's Tom's question. Today is 11 illuminating. It's a double illuminating day. That doesn't happen often. Does it mean double or what? Question mark, question mark. And what Tom is referring to, of course, is Pia and Colin's uh, Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar, which I noticed this morning as well was on 11 illuminating. Can you speak to that at all? I would say it's light coming from both directions. We have the universal energy bringing in light and the energy of 11, because that is the illuminating energy that comes in from the cosmos. And here on Earth, we have illuminating energy, meaning that we are to shine our own light outwards back to the universe. So it's a meeting of light is what it is. It's a really, really auspicious day and happening shortly before solstice. So it's getting us ready for solstice light. It's a it's a really, truly auspicious, energetic lest we say coincidence that that these two energies are available at the same time it's it's a pretty big thing it happens once every 260 days and that's you know that's rare rare enough for me 
remarkable. But the fact that it's happening exactly a week before solstice, I think is also remarkable. You know, it's, it's all about light. And I think at this time of chaos, confusion, forgetting, Mercury retrograde, all of the things that are so upside down, having this energy of light right now is really, really a good place to put our focus. Right. Do you want to hear something ironic or synchronous? Sure. It's not really ironic. Is that yesterday I had no idea that you were, were coming on here this morning because I had no idea it was the third Friday of the month. Yet the name of my show this morning was The Light of Ideas, Innovation, and Inspiration. Because <laughs> in human design, this week, today, begins the week of the light, of light. And in light, in human design, we're talking about ideas like the light bulbs being turned on um, and, and being able to tap into uh, creative energies or inspiration and, and even an element of innovation, which is also echoed by the moon's placement today in Aquarius or for the weekend in Aquarius. It's extraordinary. Like these things are thematic, right? Uh I love I love what some people would call coincidence. I love the fact that for many different systems, the same energy or the same focus continues to show up like this. I mean, it's it it proves to us that everything is connected and that that all of these different kinds of wisdom that come from different perspectives are all focusing on the same issue or topic. I think it's wonderful. It's amazing. I wouldn't call it coincidence. I would call it synchronicity. Yeah. And I would agree with Cullen. You know, we know that truth comes from many sources. So all of these systems that we work with, human design, the Pleiadian Earth Energy Calendar, Solstice, which is ancient, you know, aligned with, you know, everything in nature. All of these things are pointing us to this is the moment where we are to focus on the light. And as you said, new ideas, new ways of being light ourselves. It's its great. Yeah, very, it's, it's very perfect. Helpful. And here's the thing. In, when we look at this, um, this human design gate 11, which is interesting, right? It's gate 11 that is called the gate of ideas, but it really takes in this idea of the light. And in the gene keys, which is sort of the higher octave of the human design system, the um, the originator of the Gene Keys, Richard Rudd, says that even in the darkness, even in the darkest of times, in the darkest of rooms, if you can focus on a pinpoint of light, even one little pinpoint of light, that focusing on the light makes it bigger, mm -hmm. brings in more light and brings in more ideas and inspiration. And I really love that because it really speaks to what is... Um, in our power, which is what are we focusing on? Yep. Are we focusing on the darkness and the chaos? Because you can, and it takes up a lot of space in our brains at the moment because there's a lot of it. Uh, or we can focus on the little piece, the little thing, the little pinpoint of light and make that bigger. Yeah. that One of our Pleiadian friends' ideas all throughout the years is, is identical to what you just described. They say one candlelight in a dark space is more important and, and more powerful than the entire darkness that it's inside of. So 
Th that's absolutely a, an amazing understanding that that light is so important and that such a tiny light could have such a large influence. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole point. Like if we're focusing on the dark, we're making that bigger. Mm -hmm. But if we focus on the light and the light by the light, I'm talking about not just like real uh, light, but even, you know, the light of ideas mm -hmm. of positivity, of optimism, of um, innovation, of, all of those, you know, really um, awesome things that we as humans can focus our energies on, then we make all of that bigger and it does then make the darkness smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, were, we were on a radio show a couple of days ago and we were talking about positivity and, and um, gratefulness or, or gratitude and I think this also goes along with what we're talking about today. Whenever, whenever we spend time in a, in a place of gratefulness or positivity, even if it seems tiny in the big picture, the big world picture or the big universal picture, it does make a difference. People might say, well, but it's so small. Does it really matter? And the answer is yes, it does, because it ripples out. And it changes everything. It it connects with not only people, but nature, the cosmos, everything. We have a, a saying that's framed that we found in a little shop in England years and years and years ago that talks about contentment. And it says contentment is not about achieving something you want or getting something you want. Contentment is about being grateful for what you already have. And that's in alignment with what we're talking about right now. Being grateful for that tiny spark of light. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes all the difference, right? Because even uh, I, I, I found myself over the last few weeks, because there's been a lot of, you know, family drama going on around me. I, I found myself falling to sleep at night, chanting a sort of mantra and it was about being grateful. I'm grateful and I am uh, content and all of these different words that I would have to come up with just so that I could fall asleep and shut my brain off right? because <laughs> my brain wanted to dwell on everything that had happened. And that is one of the things that has really um, brought me through some, you know, darkish times. So I, I think it's all in our power. We just sometimes forget that we have that as a power within us. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We're we are so much more powerful than we think or even imagine, and that 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 ability to switch our perspective. If if we're having a difficult time, if if there's a lot of adversity around us, if there's a lot of drama around us. If we simply can switch that perspective to, well, yes, all of this is going on around me, but I don't have to be part of that. I can create a different energy. I can create a different atmosphere. And if everybody could feel that, if everybody could understand that that does make a difference, it would change the whole world. It, it would really be remarkable. Yes, it would, because people would take responsibility for their own 
emotions, right, for mm -hmm. how they're feeling. And that's so important. And, you know, in human design, we're headed toward a very big evolutionary leap. And that happens in 2027. But here we are, we're moving into 2024. We're three years away from this leap. And in that leap, it is really imperative for us to learn the correct use of emotional energy. And what I mean by that is that emotional energy is creative energy, right? The emotions that we feel aren't just our feelings, our moods, and all of that. It's really very creative energy. So when we're focused on anger, we're creating more anger or more potential for the expression of that energy in the in our lives. If we're focusing on gratitude, we're bringing the potential for more of that experience into our lives. But the thing that we're learning really most about the energy of emotion is not to react, right? And to respond. Yes. I mean, you don't want to just sit there and, you know, not pay attention to emotion. Um, but rather than, you know, reacting with the sort of gut check kind of energy that most humans have been playing around with, we need to be able to breathe first, kind of get centered, and then respond to whatever it is that the world has put in front of us. That's going to be huge, a huge impact on the world when we can harness the energy of emotion and use it for its um, highest and best, as opposed to taking us on this dark road trip through hell. I think that's really important, Janet. And our Pleiadian friends, Larkma, have been telling us for years and telling the people that follow Larkma for years Learn to respond, don't react, because reaction is habitual and response yes. conscious, a conscious choice. If we react, we're not thinking about what we do. It's just instantaneous and it usually fits in an old pattern of something that sets us off. But if we respond, we're taking a breath, we're making a conscious choice of how do I want to deal with, as you said, what the universe has put in front of me. And the faster we can catch ourselves in, in that moment of, am I going to, to have a habitual, as Pia just explained, reaction, or am I going to respond in a different way, whether it's more positive, whether it's more imaginative, doesn't matter what it is. But the trick is we have to catch it quickly. And you said a moment ago about taking a breath. Mm -hmm. In that breath, if we can say to ourselves or, or feel the difference between responding in a different, better, possibly newer way than the old knee-jerk reaction of reacting. So if, if we can make that a split-second change, the faster it happens the better it will be because there's no lag time of, oh, well, if I do the same old thing, it's going to, it's going to cause the same old reactive situation. But if we catch ourselves quickly, we're not going to go down that road. It's going to be a much, much more harmonious and hopefully quicker change than going the old way. So that trick is really important as quickly as possible. <laughs> I 
as quickly as possible. Otherwise, what we're doing, as you know, Pia was talking about it being habitual, or both of you were speaking to that, it is also coming from pain or from a wound. And we're not healing the wound when we're responding, when we are reacting from the wound. And I've caught myself so many times. I mean, like, I know this. I know this. And yet, it's become habitual enough that even though I know better, I still react at times to the pain or the wound that's being triggered by whatever the situation is. So it, you know, one of the things that's happening, happening astrologically is Chiron, which is a planetoid that kind of is related to our wound, right? The pain that we Mm -hmm. feel. And he's transiting through the sign of Aries, which is our identity. So right now, like almost everything that happens feels personal. Mm -hmm. And so it triggers within us our shadowy, personal way of reacting. Now, some people react with fist punch. Some people react (laughs) with words of swords. Some people react by withdrawing, right? All of these are ways that we cope with the pain or the wound that we feel. Um, and it really does only take just a moment to breathe and recenter, right? It takes practice to do that, by the way, too. It's not like tomorrow you're going to be perfect at this. Um, but when you do that, then suddenly it's not just preserving the relationship you might have with the people around you. It's also healing the deeper wound that you're carrying on the planet that you came here to heal. And go ahead. Well, and that's a really important idea because we we look at triggers as bad things. We look at a trigger as, oh my, this is bringing up an old trauma. This is bringing up an old wound. I think we need to reverse our focus and realize that triggers are actually a good thing because <laughs> it gives us another chance to deal with that, whatever, whatever that experience was a a wounding, an abandonment issue, a betrayal issue. It doesn't matter what it is, but those triggers are actually a positive situation because it gives us another opportunity to do it differently, to respond rather than reacting. So I think we need to look at triggers as not the bad thing, not the bad guy, not the bad element, the triggers are actually a positive thing that we can learn from. Be grateful for our triggers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, because the triggers are where the wound lies, right? It's there. Otherwise, we wouldn't be triggered. If if we had completely healed an issue within us, there wouldn't be any like hangover uh, emotion for us to react to, mm-hmm. right? It wouldn't bother us. We could just say, oh, I see that, you know, Maybe this used to be how I would respond to something like this, but we aren't responding that way because the wound has been healed because we've done the work right Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. And I notice in myself, this is, and this just happened a couple of weeks ago where I get so triggered, let's use that word, that my mind shuts down. Like I don't even know anymore what to say. And it goes on autopilot, where Mm -hmm. it's like the old words coming up, the old behaviors coming up. 
And, you know, really what that was to me is a piece of the darkness that's still there that Mm -hmm. needs some light shown on it. And it's much easier after the emotion is over and you go, right, I fell into that same trap. I did that same thing. Um, So don't beat yourself up if you failed miserably at it because I wanted to beat myself up badly over uh, my reactions. Don't beat yourself up. Just say, okay, next time if I'm faced with this situation and you likely will be until it's healed, uh, Mm -hmm. then this is how I will respond, right? I will breathe. (sighs) I might even say to the other person involved, this isn't a good time for us to have this conversation. Let's put a pin in it and come back to it later. That's something else that Larkma has said throughout the years, and Cullen and I use it all the time in our lives, and that is to remember that emotions are there to show you what's going wrong in your view of the world. It's never about somebody else. And it's real easy to stop and say, okay, in this situation, who's having the emotional reaction? Because that's where the work is. Sometimes (laughs) Sometimes it's both people. Sometimes it's only one of them. And the other one's just given a blank stare. Like, why are you getting so upset about this? But it can be either. But if there's a lot of emotionality about it, that's where the work is. And that's, again, something to be grateful for because that's a gift showing us this is a place where you're stuck. You can work on this. You can move through it to heal it. Yeah, it's awesome. And then it goes right along with where our moon is today. And I want to talk about that. But first, I want to read a couple of the comments, if that's okay, um, because people are really responding to this with us this morning. And I got to go back a little bit because I missed something. Tom says uh, he's also born on illuminating energy, not 11 illuminating. I want to say it's a 12 maybe or something, but he's excited about that. Good morning to LS. I'm not sure who you are, but welcome. Christine Buckingham, good morning to you. Joan, good morning to you. Asa joining us from the DR this morning, the Dominican Republic. I'm so happy to see you. Um, Then Tom said, or was it Terry? Terry Strauss. Uh, Good morning, Terry, by the way. May you all feel the love and light in your life. Remember, love is the universal way. It brings in massive light inside and out. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. And Tom, gratitude is attitude with a grrr. (laughs) And he also says it's an inside job. And then LS says, my hero, Charles Dickens, said it so well at light in a Christmas carol. But though Scrooge pressed it down with all of his force, he could not hide the light which streamed in on an unbroken flood, in an unbroken flood. Mm. That's awesome, too. Uh, Was there something else? Because we are human, we all fight or flight. That's for sure. And Pam Zaruba, I started asking, what is the lesson I'm here to learn? That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And it's and it happening over and over, I got to where I was less reactive and more grounded, right? Asking that question, what does this mean for me? Or what is the lesson I'm here to learn? It's hard to do that in the heat of the moment. I understand that completely as I've failed miserably at it at times. Um, But even in retrospect, I can go back and say, okay, what is the lesson that I needed to learn? What was the universe presenting me with? Um, Because the person perhaps that you're responding to, reacting to, uh, or the situation was really 
a signpost along the way of your own consciousness evolution and your mm -hmm. own development. So, okay, that means I can look at it as my friend, sort of, as a helpful companion that is pointing me in the right direction for healing. Yeah. Okay. There's a little trick that I try to use all the time, not always successfully, but <laughs> the saying that be kind to everyone because you never know how much someone else is suffering. And Colin and I both feel that everybody is suffering at some level. You know, either it's suppressed or repressed and they don't know it and they're distracting themselves from it or they're consciously doing the work on it or something. But everybody is struggling and suffering at some level. So whenever I find myself triggered, if I can catch myself in that moment that Cullen was talking about, catch yourself early on, I can say compassion and use that keyword compassion and just using that keyword, then I can try to be kind and remember that person's hurting. They're sick. They've got something going on in their life I don't know about. There's, you know, they're upset about something. Something doesn't matter what the story is or the truth is. It's just that they're suffering. So yeah. compassion comes in really well in helping to throttle down my own reactivity. Maybe Absolutely. That yeah, that's so true, right? That compassion is a big deal, but also compassion for yourself. Yes. Um, as you're moving through whatever it is that has you in the uproar or in the uh, angst or whatever, anger, whatever it is, be kind to yourself as well. Uh, now, I mentioned that the moon is in Aquarius today and through the weekend. And one of the number one things that we're learning about with the moon in Aquarius is emotional detachment. Like it's number one on my list. I highlighted it. Number one, emotional detachment. Because Aquarius is an air sign and it's known for its intellectualism. It's known for its objectivity and it's known for innovation. So there's also, you know, this really cool, like futuristic part of Aquarius energy. But in Aquarius, we have the opportunity, if we detach from the emotion in the moment, we actually can process the emotion that we're feeling in a detached and more rational manner, because that's what that sign is more like. So we can, if we just remember this weekend that uh, we have this opportunity to, even, you can even go retrospective, right? Look back at other things that have triggered you over the past few weeks, past month, past year, or even looking at things that would be triggers to you and try to process with as detached of an emotional um, uh, expression as you can and see what it means for you, right? This is like totally in our purview this weekend, and then as well, we get this open-mindedness that comes with the moon in Aquarius. And it's associated with open-mindedness because it's an idea sign. It's a sign of idealism even, uh, but rational idealism. That's going to be important because there's a transit also happening this weekend that takes us in the opposite direction. And it means that we're being encouraged to take a broader perspective on what it is that we are doing with our emotions. And then to bring ourselves to accepting that everyone's processing um, emotions or what's going on in their lives. I think, Pia, it goes back to having that compassion uh, for what other people are feeling and who what other people's viewpoints are. So it's this is like all right in 
like line alignment with what we've been talking about. Now, there's also the whole um, social aspect of Aquarian energy. It's a very social, friend-oriented sort of sign. It's it values community and works best in a group setting as opposed to the opposite end, Leo, that works best as the individual. But when the moon is coming through Aquarius, then we're kind of focused on the group dynamics, um, the dynamics of the communities that we are a part of or that we are involved with. And we may feel more inclined over the weekend to connect to people, to connect to our friends, uh, or to participate in more social uh, engagements, that type of thing. And as well, there's humanitarian concerns with Aquarius energy. It is um, a sign that will spark our more altruistic sides, right? The part of us that are really, um, you know, humans, I, I, I think of humans as thinking that we're all these individuals and that we have to go it alone. But the minute someone's in trouble, what happens? right? We sort of band together and come together to help others. That's a true Aquarian ideal, right? The idea that, yes, I'm an individual, that comes from Leo, the opposite point, but that I'm also part of a community. And when someone else is hurting, we're very um, open to coming in and helping as a community. Now, that's an individual choice as well. So it's not like everybody just goes, oh, let me help. But when people are in trouble, that's when we see the best of humanity coming out. It's kind of upside down, but it's what happens. So this is a time for us then to really look at how can we make a positive contribution to society, to the world, to our families, to our communities. And you know what? That positive contribution could just be, I am going to learn not to be reactive in the face of an emotional issue. It doesn't have to be something big and splashy, like I'm donating a million dollars to feed the children. <laughs> I mean, great, if you have it and that's what you want to do, yes. But even the smallest contribution here is amplifying the effect that we have on community or on tribe or whatever, right? So go for it this weekend. <laughs> have some fun. Detach emotionally. Uh, oh, I also want you all to embrace your... Um, sort of eccentric sides, selves, right? Mm -hmm. The the uniqueness that you are. Um, Aquarian <laughs> energy is really good for marching to the beat of your own drummer. Uh, I was watching, uh, this is so, so funny. So when I watch TV shows, I'm often thinking, unconsciously even, about like, what sign are they? Or, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, somebody last night on a, I was watching a, restaurant impossible it's a cooking type show and this guy goes in and he saves restaurants that are failing and what have you and he was at this one restaurant and oh my god the couple that owned the restaurant they had they were aquarian rising or they were actual aquarians the man had on these diff these like parachute pants that were all these different colors and shapes and the woman oh my god she had short cropped hair that was kind of silver gray with these big white cat eye um, enameled sort of looking glasses with this funky shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, those two are Aquarius, right? You just can read the signs. <laughs> so it's that, this is that weekend, 
dress your funkiest, go out and do things that you wouldn't normally do, kind of like fall into the trap of being different, <laughs> thinking outside of the box, doing something you wouldn't normally do, hanging with people maybe that you wouldn't normally hang with, uh, but enjoying yourself in the process of um, being your unique self, even in the midst of a group. No conformity this weekend. <laughs> Fun stuff, right? Uh, all right. So uh, let's see what else is going now. What is Larkba saying about the times that we are in right now? Because this is, we're at a, I don't know, do I want to call it a tipping point? It's a possibility we're close to a tipping point. What are, what are they saying about this? Well, go, you go. Um, there, there has been an enormous attempt to create community for the past few years. There have been many, many intentional communities trying to, to bring that idea of community into reality. It hasn't worked very well. There are many, there are many, many groups around the world who, who want to create community. And for many reasons, financial reasons, um, one of the biggest reasons is, is out of control egos, people who want to control a community, a, a, a very, very strong personality who wants to call all the shots. Community hasn't worked that well historically. There, there are ashrams and intentional communities all over the world that, that have a wonderful idea of beginning, but they usually fizzle out. They usually don't work. Larkma has been telling us that starting in 2024, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about this, starting in 2024, the, the ability, whether it's astrological or not, the sense of creating community they tell us is going to become not only easier, but more profoundly necessary. Mm -hmm. that, that with all the separation, with all the chaos that, that we've been experiencing, especially in the past three or four years, the idea of, of truly creating communities that work, I think is gonna be a focal point of people wanting to come together and really getting along and doing something more progressive, more wholesome, more unified. And so I think one of Larkma's messages is that in 2024 and 2025, the possibility of communities really being created is going to be much easier and more hopeful. I love that. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because the, the age of Aquarius, which we're sitting in, sitting at the cusp of, if not actually in it, and uh, Pluto about to move into Aquarius in 2024, he will make that move and he'll be there for good instead of waffling back and forth between him, uh, Aquarius and Capricorn, is a sign of um, the grassroots sort of movements that we've actually seen, right, through the last couple of years as we were, uh, you know, the what was it? Black Lives Matter. And we, we've had all kinds of different grassroots type of things that come up. And that's communities of like mind, like mindedness, right? And that's going to be something that we need to, that we will 
arbitrarily or consciously, if you are so conscious, that we will uh, navigate towards, that we'll be pulled towards communities, being part of communities that we resonate with. So, for example, this is a community of astrology and human design and people who, you know, find themselves uh, kind of attracted to that type of thing. They find like this is, feels like home. Right. This feels like a place that they want to come to on Mondays and Fridays to be here and where we talk about these kinds of things. Other people may be drawn to communities that are, um, you know, family based or maybe more social based. But that's the idea is for all of us during this time, time now and on into the future to find where our gifts and our talents and our uh, just us in general, where we are honored and where we are respected and where we feel a part of, we feel like we belong. So I feel like that's going to be a drumbeat that keeps getting louder as we go on through time. The big question is going to be, how do we integrate all of these different groups? Well, you used a key word, Janet. You said resonance. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Larkma says, aside from the focus on community this year, is that the understanding and recognition of energy is going to become ever more important to us. Everything is energy. So what you're talking about is finding the energy that we resonate with and grouping together with that energy, not judging others, but being discerning about where do we want to place our focus? Where do we want to expend our efforts? How do we want to utilize the energy that we are? So energy is really important and it connects perfectly with what we're talking about with community and individuality too, with the Aquarian uniqueness, because we have to recognize that some groups that are bonded together as they resonate together will not be like us and that's okay. And others will be exactly where we feel at home and that's okay too. And we have to be okay with all of it. Yeah. Yes. And we can, you know, cross our fingers, as Christine says, that what we were talking about previously sounded more like a cult leader, that we don't find more of that type of group where people are, you know, attracted to someone that really doesn't have anything but ego going for them, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're... That's that's where discernment comes in. And also remember, as you just said, Aquarian is a very individualistic energy. So part of the Aquarian gift is being able to say, hold it, that doesn't seem right to me. I don't need to follow a leader. I need to just be my own leader. Now, who else out here feels the same way I do? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And and holding, you know, I think what we want to do is hold ourselves to the highest possible <laughs> vibration of the groups that we do get attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, right? Yeah. <laughs> You know, as I was looking, I have been looking at 2024 since 2022 because I write for an almanac that has to be done by March of the previous year so that it can go to publication. And as I was thinking about 2024 way back then, I was thinking about how it is such a pivotal year because next year, 2025, the whole landscape astrologically changes. So everything that's coming up this year will be in service of what we want our future to look like. Mm -hmm. And that means that we'll be looking at a lot of difficult 
concepts, difficult situations. Uh, uh, I mean, on one hand, it makes me almost just tired thinking about <laughs> some of the conflicts ahead of us with AI, the a political landscape here in this country as we're heading into an election year. Um, you know, the the earth changes, climate and all of this, and all, all of these things are big things that are coming to some kind of, of uh, kind of point, right? Some kind of crucial moment. And that's all happening in 2024 before we get to the big changes in 2025. I mean, Pluto in Aquarius is a big change, but next year we have Neptune changing signs first time in 16 years. And then we have Uranus changing signs first time in seven years. So we have outer planets that they're driving the collective energy on the planet, kind of out of our personal control. The only thing that we can control in any of that is our response to what is happening. And that's a key thing to remember because we have been trained to try to control our environment, ourselves, other people. We've been trained to try to control, whether that's controlled through competition or controlled through aggressiveness or all kinds of things to control. We've been trained to do that. And that's bad training. <laughs> I mean, maybe it served humanity well in earlier um, centuries, but it does not serve us now. No. And we have to move past that. But there seems to be this very stubborn and persistent energy of control on this planet. Well, and, and I think that has a direct consequence of Pluto's influence in Capricorn for all these past years. That, that hopefully will change in the beginning of next year, and we will be able to step away from that, those, those rigid control elements. And I think that's why 2024 is going to be vastly different than what we've seen in the past few years. I think that's going to be a, a pivotal sea change or a pivotal benchmark of absolute ability to step away from that rigidity. Yeah. Pivotal and powerful. Those are two words that I have been um, thinking about in terms of what 2024 brings us. But mm -hmm. I want people to understand this. Usually what happens when a planet changes into a new sign <clears throat> is we get the most difficult parts of that expression, the shadow expression of mm -hmm. those planets in those signs first, yep. right? Mm -hmm. The big thing that occurred when uh, Pluto first moved into Aquarius was this whole idea of AI and how pervasive it's becoming, right? Chat GPT and every, uh, like, I, I can't even go into my MailChimp account and start to write an, uh, an email without it saying, try AI, right? Yeah. Let AI write this for you. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> go away, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and that, that, that's so minor in the big scheme of things that mm -hmm. I, you know, I hesitate to even bring that up. But it does bring up the question as to how pervasive does AI get, right? Well, they've been planning to have... AI become the controller for a very long time and people have gone along with it because it's been convenient. That's what smartphones are all about. Well, we're told we're told 
that our lives will be better, enhanced. Uh, we we will waste less time. We it, it, the the litany goes on and on and on about how AI will be of enormous benefit to us. And my God, we've been told this through agendas for decades. If if you adhere to this new program, your life will be better. You'll have more leisure time. You you will have you all these things that are promised. And if we look retroactively, none of it was true. It was, I remember being told that using the computer was going to save massive amounts of trees because there wouldn't be any paper. We'd be doing everything online. Have you seen anybody with a computer that doesn't have a printer and prints off everything they see online? We we. <laughs> We've used we we have used more yeah. paper since the computer age started than decades before that happened. Everybody, as Pia said, has a, a printer, and it, it's amazing. That was an absolute subterfuge of saying we will become a paperless society. It, it, it's absolutely the opposite. We use more paper now than we ever have. So this comes back to the thing again about being discerning, because I think most of us in modern culture have pretty much believed whatever we've been told. Why would they lie to us? Which is the big question. You know, <laughs> if you look down. <laughs> well, why would they lie? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Get yeah. to that question and then pay attention to what you want to put yeah. your focus on. But I don't want people to think it's all bad, right? Technology no, is not all not. bad. It's but not. what happens, what tends to happen first is all of the blowhard stuff comes up, like it's going to save trees. And then we say, oh, yeah, that's not really happening. So now, but like, for example, almost everything, every bill I have is now paperless. So in a respects, you know, we are working, we're chipping away at that idea. Um, and Aquarius energy is nothing except ideals, right? Mm -hmm. There's this ideal, this ideal of a paperless society where we don't have to kill trees to have paper. That's the ideal. Then what happens is the work that then ensues to bring that ideal into the real. That's mm -hmm. what Aquarian energy is all about. Mm -hmm. Now, artificial intelligence is an ideal. It makes our life easier, right? It it shortens the span of time that we have to work. Uh, but then we have Tesla cars all being recalled because their artificial intelligence system that guides and drives on its own isn't working, right? It causes accidents. <laughs> so the ideal was driver or cars that can drive themselves. But the reality is that we're not there yet, right? We have to do something. They've recalled Teslas. So it's not that the technology was bad. It's that the ideal kind of got ahead. What is that? Putting the horse before the cart or the cart before mm -hmm. the horse, right? Yep. So, you know, without understanding all the ramifications, we went full tilt into something. And there's the problem because when we're talking about technology, we could blow ourselves up before we realize, oh, darn, I probably shouldn't have put those two wires together. Oh, don't, Janet, yes. don't don't get me started <laughs> on the subject, please. Science, science will do anything because science believes that, that anything new is better than anything old. And science will go anywhere and everywhere technologically because science says 
this will be better for us. We will be more technological. We, we will have a better life, blah, 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 blah. You're absolutely right. We, we have to be more wise about each new invention before it goes from R&D to reality because it, it almost invariably does backfire. And, and, yeah. and continue to ask that question. Do we have the entire picture? Do we have the whole truth about why this is being offered to us? What are the downsides? What's the payback? Ask all the questions. Is it, is it, the biggest question for me is, is it healthy? Yeah. Mm. If it's not healthy, it's not a good idea. But sometimes we don't know what we don't know right. until yeah. we go out there and we try it or we do it. And this is the this is the reason that evolution is sort of a Watusi, right? It's two steps forward, one step back, then two steps forward. Always we're still one step ahead, right? That's that's the underlying principle. But we do have to be, moderation is going to be called for in the next mm -hmm. years. And yeah. moderation is going to be hard to find. <laughs> it's going to be hard to find. We're going to have Neptune in Aries, a sign that thinks after it acts. Acts first, thinks later, right? Uh, has the potential to. Not all Aries do that, but they're very dynamic. It's a dynamic movement. Uh, we're going to have Uranus in Gemini, a sign that, of air and ideas. And let's, you know, let's just network the heck out of everything, uh, which can be a good thing. But it might also, you know, be a sign of um, being uh, invaded, right? Invasiveness, being invaded by information. So we've got to learn moderation. What better time to learn it than before you absolutely have to have, you know, the, the, the 2020 hindsight that said, oh, I should have been more moderate in how I did this. That that very idea of hindsight versus foresight is incredibly important in this discussion because when we're looking forward thinking this is going to be a good thing and it doesn't work out the way we anticipated it, whether it's scientific, sociological, technological, environmentally, it doesn't matter what, how it affects everything, but hindsight really is a pretty important element in, in cautioning, absolutely. in cautioning absolute moving forward when we don't know what we're doing exactly. You said that a moment ago, and I yeah. think that's really important because moderation doesn't have to mean a limiting idea. Moderation can also be a protective idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you're speaking the same language astrology is at the moment with Pluto moving into Aquarius at gate 60 in human design, which is called the gate of limitation. Mm -hmm. So we're all invited to be more moderate in how it is that we're moving forward, right? It, it's, it's hard because Jupiter is there and Jupiter is expansive and optimistic and forward moving and Saturn is there and he's 
kind of more about let's be in boundaries. And then there's Pluto in this. And Pluto in this has already seen the destruction of all of these systems that we thought were sustainable that were not, right? Everything's falling apart. And now we enter with Pluto into Aquarius in a gate that says, okay, wait, let's narrow it in for a moment. Let's make sure we have the foundation settled before we jump, right? Like, it makes so much sense. But what you're saying is science sometimes does go and they're like, oh, this is so great. Let's put it out there. And then we realize, oh, 5G isn't such a good thing. <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> but it's everywhere. But now we're noticing, oh, wait, maybe that's not such a good thing. Yeah, there, there's a there's a funny little saying that P and I have used for a long time. Whenever Whenever anything new comes up, Maybe it's a good idea to walk it around the block before we actually bring it into creation. Maybe we should take the time to simply look at it from different angles, different perspectives, instead of rushing into it, as you just mentioned. Maybe walking that idea or that concept around the block to be sure that we know what we're doing. And it's a funny little saying, but I think it has a pretty potent. Yeah. Understanding. Well, it's like the emotional center, right? That we were talking about emotions. Take a breath, right? Recenter. Um, any creative endeavor and, you know, technology and science and all these, they're creative events, right? Creative things. Nick needs to have that time to settle first before, mm -hmm. you know, we throw it out there in the world and say, okay, this is safe. This is effective. This is perfect. This is you know, the, the future, um, do it now. And then later, you know, have to walk it back. So it's better to walk it around the block first. So you don't have to walk it back. <laughs> now, I want to put this into context of this week that we find ourselves in, right? This is human design week is uh, the sun at the gate 11. Uh, which is a gate that sits up on the Ajna, if, for those of you who want to know the second center down from the top, and it's on the corner. Uh, if you're looking at the chart, it'll be on the right corner and it moves down toward the throat center. And it is a center of ideas and inspiration. It is called light because it is about the inspiration that comes when we are focusing in the light. Now, inspiration can also come when you're focused on the dark. So don't get me wrong. It's about what do we want for the future and what ideas and innovation and inspiration can take us there right? Mm -hmm. Not that all ideas, here's the problem with the 11, is that rather than just a dipper full of ideas, we have an entire ocean of ideas that could be coming up. But which ones are the ones that we want to take action on? That's the key, right? Not every, not every idea that you have is meant for you to act on, right? Sometimes it's for you to share with someone else. Hey, I had this idea and I thought maybe you'd be good at it. Um, so being very aware of the impact of ideas and inspiration right now, this is creative spark energy that we're sitting in. And that means it can lead to the emergence of innovative ideas, but not, not all innovative ideas, if we've, as we've just been discussing, are ones that we should take action on, mm -hmm. right? That's the key. But people may be very inspired in an Aquarian sort of way to think outside of the box. And that's a good thing, right? Turn things upside down, see them from a different point of view, be innovative. And 
that can be impactful for brainstorming, for uh, problem solving, and for exploring uh, exploring alternative solutions to uh, the most troubling aspects or things that we're dealing with. This is a time where we might have unexpected breakthroughs, right? The gate 11 is about light. So if I'm focusing on finding a solution to a problem, the potential for me to find the solution to that problem is huge because I'm focusing on the solution. I'm not focusing on the problem, mm -hmm. right? So you can see how that makes a difference. Open-mindedness, again, this is very Aquarian feeling, that open-mindedness to see things from kind of being more... Um, objective, stepping back a little bit and seeing um, what it is. And then this gate also, because it connects to the throat center, is about how do we communicate our ideas? Because not everybody is going to understand your ideas. So it's not, you know, like we shouldn't just come out and just blurt out our ideas to everybody or anybody, because not everybody and anybody is going to understand it. So we have to be a little more circumspect, discerning, another great word that we've been talking about this morning, about who we share our ideas with, okay? Mm -hmm. Because not everybody gets it. Um, and if you're sharing an idea now and nobody gets it, two weeks later, someone else is going to share the same idea and everybody's going to go, oh, that's awesome. Why didn't I think of that? And you're like, oh, <laughs> well, I said that two weeks ago. Where were you? So, you know, you're wanting to preserve your your ideas for the right time, the right place, the right people, rather than just vomiting them all out on everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's, that's absolutely a, a good guideline. I, I can say in the work that P and I have been involved with for so long, it has become really important not to share things that, that we're involved with, with everybody, because everybody is not ready for what we do. And we've made some bloopers and we've made some mistakes in thinking that everybody's interested in everything or interested in what we're interested in. So we, we have tempered our way of bringing what, what we're involved with to the world by doing exactly what you just explained. Moderation, discernment waiting for the right audience at the right time in the right place for the invitation even to bring yes. out these ideas. Like we have right now, the three of us, we have this tacit invitation because we said we're going to be broadcasting today. And all of the people who have joined us this morning, they are here to hear what we have to say. So it's a, it's a tacit invitation to speak whatever it is that we're speaking about. And if they didn't like it, they didn't have to come to listen. So our mm -hmm. ideas that we're sharing, um, the information we're sharing is all aligned because we said the invitation, right? Join me today at 8 a.m. Pacific time to talk about light, inspiration, and innovation. And here you all showed up. So the invitation was extended and it worked out, right? And if somebody's listening and they don't like, they can always leave. <laughs> And that's finding the community that you resonate with. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, so uh, one last thing, uh, astrological of astrological importance, is tomorrow, Saturday, we have the sun coming into a square with Neptune. This is the closing square of the sun and Neptune for this year. It had their conjunction when the sun was moving through Pisces uh, back in uh, February and March. And that sets up a cycle, a natural cycle of communication between the two planets, the sun, our personality, what we do, how we see the world, and the planet Neptune, our spirituality, our divineness. Um, and here we find them this weekend in the closing square. And a square is always a filled with tension, right? There, there's this now sort of this budding of heads between the sun in Sagittarius, which is idea driven, is, uh, you know, sort of uh, seeking uh, the ideal. And because Sagittarius and Aquarians both have this ideal kind of thinking versus Neptune and Pisces that blurs everything up, makes it hard to really see what it is that's truth, what it is that you know, discerning is very difficult when you have the sun coming into a square with Neptune. And because this is a closing square, meaning it's the last square before their uh, next conjunction, it means that there's this crisis in our consciousness that we have to deal with. Like, have we really embodied our spiritual concepts? Are we really living from and walking our talk from the things that we share with others about our spirit, about who we are, about our dreams and goals and all of that. So that is the key for the weekend. And it might not be a good time to make big decisions. I think it's not a good time because of a couple of reasons. Mercury in retrograde, don't make big decisions. Um, if you've already had something that you're working on and you need to come to a decision point, make sure you're doing it with full clarity with full consciousness. Don't just sign on the bottom line and hope and pray that what you just signed had everything you wanted in the contract. Because <laughs> it probably won't. And you won't realize that until January 1st when Mercury goes direct and you suddenly get this bill for $5,000 and you're like, when did I sign that? Right? <laughs> so that's extreme. But being very aware right now of what it is that we're doing, being very conscious. And sometimes being conscious also means maybe it's not the right time to take action. Mm -hmm. Maybe we need to wait, be more discerning. So, all right, now that's it for me. That's it. Is there any last words you two would like to say? Anything going on in uh, Pia Cullen world that you want to share with everybody before we go for the day? One thing that I would add is that as we're moving through this light, this portal of light in the next week, we start stepping into a period of healing, which is an alignment with the Chiron energy that you were talking about on Monday. We go into 13 days that are overlighted with healing energy. Uh -huh. So I would say to everybody, let's use our light to heal each other, ourselves and the world. So on the, is it on the 31st? Or no, 18th, sorry, 18th. I'm, see, I'm way in the future. Um, so the 18th is where we move into one healing. I kind of like that. And interesting too, just to note that the 31st is one remembering. How interesting to end the year on one remembering, a week full of remembrance, right? Hmm. Interesting. 
All right, everybody, that is it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us. And Pia and Colin, as always, it's a wonderful time when you are with me in the broadcast. Uh, take care, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.